I've certainly ruffled some feathers along the way, but you know, hopefully, yeah, I, you know, the other piece of it is I feel like in some small way we've made a difference for people who've, you know, a couple of people in this industry have been able to create careers, you know, help support their direction and their careers. And I also think on the conservation side, we, we raise awareness. I mean, I wasn't, I, I've been to DC a couple of times on, you know, uh, hill walks and, you know, I go in and I sit down with a legislative aide and I tell him who I am. And that was Brian Bennett describing what keeps the moldy chum going strong. This is the wet fly swing fly fishing show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Are you interested in hanging out on a great Alaska trip? You can find out how to join this hosted trip with myself uh, this coming summer to the final frontier go to wetflyswing.com ak to get more details and find out if this trip is right for you in today's episode i talk with brian bennett the founder of moldychum.com brian describes how the chum has evolved over the years the two new podcast shows they have coming up and how he convinced pike place market to quit selling wild steelhead so without further ado here's brian bennett i was going to start with um you know, obviously the moldy chum, you know, that's, that's yes. your, I guess that's your baby still. The moldy chum, um, the, that's the, right. The moldy chum. So, <laughs> you know, th- there's a whole thing there with the moldy chum. We're going to dig into a bunch of that. But could you talk about just yourself and how you first got into fly fishing and, and talk about it? Sure. Yeah. You bet. So I, you know, I'm, let me go way back. I'm actually a social worker by trade. I went to Salem State College and I wanted to help kids. And so that was kind of the direction I thought I was going in. And I was racing bikes, uh, bicycles at the time, and I kind of I, I met some guys that kind of got me into the outdoor industry. I actually went to work for REI in the late 80s, running kind of their bike shop in their second store they opened on the East Coast. And that started this whole trajectory for me kind of in the outdoor industry. And I never fished. Like growing up, I mean, fishing for me was, you know, I was hanging out on the end of the dock in Maine with my grandfather, with him and his buddies drinking brown water and dunking worms. And I, I just, I never did it. I, I was an urban kid. And, you know, so everything that I did that was sports wise, you know, as I was a teenager and I got into all this other stuff was all kind of self-directed. Well, I ultimately ended up working for a brand, Kelty backpack mm-hmm. brand, one of the oldest backpack brands. Oh, yeah. and been around for a long time and was living in Colorado and it was I think 1999 or 2000 and I had a really good friend who actually lived just outside of Portland he was a friend he was a guy that I met literally like on the phone through Kelty like talking to him on the phone he like hit me up for some sponsorship or something and he was like dude you gotta really get into fly fishing and I was like what dude that's fishing thing I don't get it and he sent me a fly rod and a reel there was an orb I still have it Four weight Orvis bat and kill rod and the matching reel. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I, we took a trip. We used to take customers on trips. And so we took these uh, bunch of guys. We went to, uh, we were in Jackson Hole. And I remember we paddled across this lake. I think it was, it wasn't Jenny Lake. I can't remember which one, but there's a little creek coming in. And I waited, I'm having my fly rod and I was doing, I tied on, you know, a Royal Coachman or whatever I had in the box. And I caught a little cutthroat in this little plunge pool. And 
it was, it had a profound impact on me and I went all in. (laughs) And so I literally gave up every other sport that I kind of participated in. And there was a lot of them to basically just focus a hundred percent on fly fishing. And I think that first year that I kind of really dove in, I was probably on the water at least 150 days. Yeah. So that's kind of how it started. So I'm kind of late. I'm, I'm the classic, yep. you know, late to the sport kind of thing, which I think is, you know, interesting enough, it's a trend. Yeah, it is pretty common. Yeah, people are kind of getting into it and, you know, discovering, you know, the meaningful, you know, nature of what it is. And it, you know, not only is it something that I just love doing, but it also made me into the kind of the conservation minded. I, mean, I was always into the environmental stuff and considered myself an environmentalist, but I got way more active once I started to fly fish and really cared about, you know, fish and habitat that they right. live in. So, and that was yeah. it with Kelty. So you were at Kelty and then, and then you went into Patagonia. Was that your next stop? Yeah. So I, yeah, well, I, I had a brief stop at Mountain Smith between Kelty and Patagonia. I did a little marketing stint. I, I've Smith. got a, I've got a Mountain Smith hip, hip pack I've had since the late nineties that I love. And it, it, they, I love, it's the only Mountain Smith thing I've ever purchased, but I love it. The tour pack probably. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's not the huge yeah. one. It's kind of the small little, little yeah. pack. Yeah. Have some yellow bungee on oh, it. Oh yeah. Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I did, yeah, I did a little stint there and then I, I, I got a job working for Patagonia as a key accounts, basically managing the REI account. So that's when I moved to Seattle. Okay. So I was, I was at Patagonia for, you know, better part of 14 years. And I, and as part of that gig, I, for, for two years, I took on a part-time role within the job that I had being the Patagonia fly fishing sales manager. So that really kind of, that's where things kind of blurred, whereas, you know, fishing became more than just, you know, kind of a passion. It became kind of part of my occupation. And the chum started in 2005, actually maybe even late 2004. And I had been doing some blogging prior to the chum. We, a friend of mine, we had a blog called the Piton, which was, if you think, kind of what the vibe of moldy chum was back in 05 it was the same thing but it was in the outdoor space as opposed to the fishing space mm. and so what happened was i was like ah oh, some i think the drake magazine came out around that same time and i was like man this is cool it's like new school media and fly fishing and i was like man why don't i why aren't i blogging and so that's that's yeah. how it all started there you go the, yeah the moldy yeah chum. The moldy chum. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. And, and just to clarify that, so the name, it could just quickly, uh, how, what, I mean, we're, we're, we are talking chum salmon here. Yeah. So, I, so I was, it was, I took a trip. So I was still living in Colorado and I had taken a trip up here to do some, you know, I was meeting with customer or something and we went fishing and we were actually fishing. If I recall correctly, we were actually looking to catch steelhead i think and we were standing on we're on a bar and there's a bunch of guys you know there's a few guys you know not quite shoulder to shoulder but some other people fishing and i i think i've hooked the bottom and there's a guy like oh and i'm like damn it and (laughs) i go man i'm on the bottom the guy up you know basically a little bit up river he goes no he didn't lift your rod like lift (laughs) like really lift it and so i set it up and the thing just knuckle bust just takes off crazy I get it in and it's a chum salmon that's literally Baldy. looks like an old piece of carpet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a mess. And the guy looks at me and he goes, man, that's one moldy chum. There you <laughs> go. So that's kind of where the name came from. And the beauty of it is it's, you know, it can be, 
you know, chum, you chum up fish, you know, you use stinky old fish to kind of, yeah. you know, do your chumming, whatever it is. So it kind of hits on both, both, uh, well, yeah, it does. And the brand name, I, that's why I love, you know, the Boldy Chum because I can't remember, you know, when I thought of it, when I heard it first, uh, you know, I instantly thought of salmon. But, you know, it that's just right. shows you the name isn't critical. I mean, my name, for example, you know, the the brand is Wet Fly Swing. In fact, I just interviewed uh, Peter Morse, you know, down in Australia yesterday. And, cool. And, and the first thing he said was, I don't know how good I'm going to be. You know, I'm, I'm not that good at swinging flies and steelhead, you know. So everybody thinks, you know, at first, but but it's just a name. You know, I just came up with that name, the same kind of thing. And really, it's all about fly fishing. And that's kind of the Moly Chum is also all about fly fishing. Yeah, primarily. I mean, we cross over into conventional occasionally, mm-hmm. just, with, you know, but it's really more. It's not that kind of the traditional, you know, conventional. And as a matter of fact, you know, I had when I was you know, going to Christmas Island a bunch with some friends, you know, we were we were fly guys, but we made the jump over to conventional because we just found it to be a better way to fish kind of blue water and also just the experience. But we, I found it the way we were doing it. It's just as technical and just as gear intensive and all of those things as you find in the fly fishing space. So I think there's some there's some similarities as it relates to that. We co- we'll cover that occasionally on the conventional oh, okay. side, but yeah, we're, we're a fly fishing site for sure. Yeah, Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. and, and what, so, you know, the Moly Chum, you know, for somebody who's never read it, gone onto your blog, mm-hmm. can you talk about, um, you know, basically what it's all about or, or maybe sure. just describe it for somebody who's never been there, been there. So the original way we used to describe it was fly fishing meets the onion. And so that with back when we first started, there was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was none of that. And so the way the site kind of rolled, it was literally almost like your Facebook timeline. It was pictures, funny pictures and memes and funny headlines. And it was, it was, we had the slab of the month where we, you know, people could, where could you go to see pictures of big fish? And early on at the time, you know, a beautiful women holding fish yeah. too. And we kind of, we spoofed that a lot. Like we were kind of making fun of that kind of space. So that's kind of how it all started. And so I think that that's kind of the foundationally what we're all about. Cause we still like to have fun. We still like to poke fun as best we can, but the sites evolved as social media has evolved, has evolved. And so the, the kind of the traditional blog, kind of role doesn't doesn't isn't as relevant anymore so we made some modifications to the site and while we still like to you know to to have some fun and we you know we did a post around legal weed in denver for the iftd show i mean super funny um we have it we have a series called the chumian which is kind of a throwback to those times when the chum met the onion where we we do these tongue-in-cheek kind of look like real news stories, but they're jokes. But we are much more thoughtful as it relates to getting conservation messages out and those things. And we were always, we were always conservation minded throughout the years, but you know, that that's really grown. And it's really one of the, there's three legs of the stool for the chum, you know, one kind of being fun. The one of them is being kind of is conservation minded. It's, it's really a place that we hang our hat on and we think that we've we've um, inspired other people within the space to become more conservation minded throughout the years because of the, the fact that it's it's a legitimate way to get traction and readership and to appeal to people and mm-hmm. from time to time create 
conflict because there's different sides of, you know, whatever, whether it's climate change yeah. or hatchery do you, fish. Do you see traction with conservation? We talked about that a little bit on this show that I can't remember who I was talking about, um, but it's come up a couple of times where, you know, like the conservation blog posts or podcasts on conservation are like the lowest read or listened to. Do you, do you find that you get yes. a lot of people reading your conservation stuff? Yeah. I mean, I think it, yeah, it's, I think it's how you kind of package the conservation messaging and we try to do a good job like so across our social channels where we will do a blog post we what would be an, what would be an example say for a, give us a, a little quick little topic of a conservation you know, uh suction dredge mining is the first one that comes okay. to mind yeah so it's a major issue happening here and so we did you know there was a new they're trying to pass a, a bill here in washington to basically ban the practice or make it much more difficult to get a permit to suction dredge. So, I mean, there are rivers where you can't fish for steelhead, but you can just suction dredge to your heart's right. content if you want to. So it doesn't make any sense. No. So we did a new story. Well, we, we posted to a news story about the legislation and the, the, the irony of the fact that you can't fish there, but you can suction dredge. We cross-referenced it on our Instagram page. And it was interesting, the engagement on that was as high as I've seen on most conservation stuff. Huh. You know, you can put up a funny Photoshop picture on Facebook and get a million right. likes on it, but you do the conservation one, yeah, and historically it's frustrating to look at that and go, what's wrong with you people, you yep. know? We're asking, like, if every one of you people that liked that funny picture of George Washington catching a shad while he was crossing the Delaware, you know, joke that you put up on the president's day. If yep. every one of you people had signed this petition or had made a phone call, you'd, you'd make a difference, but that's the nature of the beast. I mean, yep. that's just the way it is. It's not people, you know, trying to get them to really move on stuff like that. It can be challenging. So the better you can do across those channels where it comes together, mm -hmm. the traction is better, but you're right. It's, it's not a, it's not the sexy thing. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, Have you guys it, ever been hit? Um, you know, on the politically incorrectness sort of thing over the years, have you had anything you've done where people have kind of called you out on stuff or it's absolutely yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think and part of that too, is sometimes it's, you know, misinterpretations of things where humor can be, you know, humor can be taken in different ways. So yep. I think generally, you know, a lot of that has to do with, well, I mean, you can back in the day, you know, the comment thing was, we didn't moderate them. We just let comments go. Oh, right. like, anything went and, and people would get personal just like trolls tend to get, you know, to do things. And we got to the point where we had to basically shut that all down because it began to create more problems. I'd say right. we ran into more problems with that kind of stuff than we did with kind of taking controversial positions. I mean, when people kind of call us out on controversial positions, we're like, well, if you were a reader and you spent a lot of time with us, you kind of know where we stand on yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, and, like there's no secret. No, and, and one of the so on your on your page uh, on the site you have the I, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically the hot chicks. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned <laughs> now. So what's the background there? Because when you look at that, you, somebody might think, well, you know, what do they got going here? They're they're doing the you know, yeah. What? We used, I mean, the, no doubt, we used to do the Friday pinup. I mean, we were we were guilty as charged. I mean, we showed. I mean, that was back in you know back in the day and. You know, crazy enough, I mean, this is, I think this, this is a more of a reflection, I think, overall about that, but Fridays were the most highly trafficked days. <laughs> and you still have the Friday pinup, don't you? No, we don't. It's still called out as a, as a segment down below. 
and there's still a picture it, of a, a chick in a, a bikinis, right? Or yeah, it's below two guys. It's a below a guy in chaps, though. I think so. Yeah, yeah. When we when we build out of it, like that was the real I- ironic thing. Like every like the the grief we used to get most of the time was like, why aren't you showing guys? And we're like, well, if we could find oh. pictures, <laughs> we probably would. And then the classic thing is when we would post a picture of a dude scantily clad <laughs> fly fishing. The, the dudes would come out of the woodwork and call us all kinds of names. No kidding. Oh, right? my God. So, yeah, theoretically, that tab and that bottom thing should just go away. But we're not going to hide from that history. No. And But it's done. I mean, it's been done for two years it's, now. It's been done. How is yeah. all the Me Too movement? Yeah, and, that, that's, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. I mean, I you know, I, again, there's all of that stuff. And, you know, there's people on both ends, uh, sides of that, too. I mean, I've heard people, actually, April Volke, you can go back to that podcast when she was on with me here. And she talked about how the Me Too movement, you know, was a little bit, she didn't like everything that they were, you know, going. Well, to. I, you know, I, so, I mean, I, so here's my, my kind of take on it is, at a bunch of different levels. So number one is, you know, you look at, I mean, April interviewed Dar, Dar Sizzle yep. Yep, on her I podcast. I mean, yep. I, I've been following Dar Sizzle on Instagram from when she first started out. And she's a legitimate angler. I mean, no question, but she likes to, she, you know, there's yep. no question she gains traction because you're basically not wearing anything when she's fishing. Yep. So, and there's a, there's a whole rash of those people. And I could list them. I mean, there's tons of them. And so it's really easy to kind of dominate a fairly, I mean, I call fly fishing, it's the Petri dish of everything. I mean, it's it, it, it's hyper-focused because, as you mentioned earlier when we first started on this call, is that it's really small. Everybody knows each other and all those kind of things. So it, it really gets magnified. And so when people are critical of sexism in fly fishing, and rightfully so, um, it's really like, well, it, 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 sexism in society as a whole Yeah is a problem. And so, of course, it's going to be a problem no matter what little segment it is. And if this happens to be in fly fishing, that's the case, too. And I would make the point, and people will argue with me this all day, but, you know, leveraging your femininity around your social media presence, whether you're fully dressed or in a bikini, are fundamentally the same things. I mean, it's very different. I mean, in some ways, but essentially... You know, you you can dominate and gain traction in our little petri dish of an industry if you're you're attractive, no question, yeah. Yeah. and it pays off. And so, but that's just the nature of the world, I think, in general. It and it's not just in sexism and fly fishing. It's like, you know, how many times you see oh, social media it's ruined fly fishing. It's like, well, I got you know this just in. Social media has pretty much ruined everything. Right. So I think that. You know, especially as it relates to like, I mean, we get into real issues that I think, you know, matter at a higher level, Mm -hmm. you know, conservation and environmental issues and all of those things as it relates to social media and the politics of all of that. I just, you know, I quit. I quit my personal Facebook page. Oh, Roy. Yeah, I just can't. I can't hand, I don't want to give my, I'm tired right. of giving my data to billionaire frat boys. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. He's, he's done well for, for himself. If that's, yeah, no, yeah. It, it is kind of crazy. I mean, yeah, we're in a crazy world. I mean, and it's kind of, uh, the politics is crazy. The, uh, it seems like everything's kind of crazy. You wonder sometimes, I mean, the steelhead, you know, we'll probably talk a little bit about that, but obviously yeah. runs are up and down, but there's a lot of rivers that are struggling, um, mm-hmm. You know, I did want to, you know, stay on the chum for just yeah. a little bit more because yeah, sure. I don't want to miss a couple things. And, you know, one of them, you know, again, thinking about, 
you know, you, you mentioned this, alluded to this a little bit, but about the evolution. I mean, how has the chum uh, evolved from, you know, the early days to now? And maybe just talk about how it's different. Well, it was, you know, strictly a labor of love early on. And I've never really leveraged it. Over, I mean, it, you know, you look at kind of how, you know, social media or influencers kind of are able to leverage their positioning within all of that. I mean, it was never my principal like it, it was never a job for me. It was a, it was something I enjoyed doing. And I mean, if you, I, I think the one thing, if you look at, you know, since 05, I mean, we've put up three to four posts every single day. Really? Like we've, we've never missed a day. You do three or four posts a day and these might be just photos, it, it, but they might be big blog posts. Yeah, no, it's mainly we we're, we're content aggregators. We go out and we find cool content and we share it with the, with our with the Chum and, Nation. And who's finding who's finding the content? Are people Me. writing for you? Are you doing Me. are you doing everything? Everything. Really? So nobody's nobody's helping you. Yeah, I've had a couple partners along the way. Yeah, but they've you know they've come and gone. And now it's my so and just in turn back to your question about how it's kind of evolved yeah. is that you know it's become more serious for sure. As it relates to just for me personally, um, it's my job now, primary job. It's when did my, it, when did it become your job? A year ago. Really? So yeah, I've been well, doing it. I've been doing it exclusively for a year. What was what was that? What was that like when you it became your primary job? I mean, what that um, like? Well, it's changed quite a bit. I mean, I think the hard part is turning it from, you know, what was a hobby and you know after work and you know sitting down with the family, you know maybe watching TV and have the laptop and cranking out some blog posts, taking a couple of hours to crank out yeah. blog posts. You know, now it's more structured and, you know, having to you know, try to generate money, salary, right. ad revenue and all of that. And that's, that's real now for me. So, I mean, I think as it relates to, you know, in terms of the, how it's evolved back, you know, that, that you, you look at the engagement level that we have. So there's no question that our views are down from the heyday. So back in the heyday, we used to we were three hundred to four hundred thousand page views a month. Right. I mean, really, oh yeah, huh. like really powerful. And when we changed, we kind of changed formats, and we've been through two evolutions. So we were we were we were originally on a TypePad platform, then we went to Squarespace, and then when we switched from Squarespace, Squarespace still was very much kind of the old school blog role. We made a change to the format that we have now. We lost a fair amount of page views because you couldn't just go to the site and take it in by just looking at it. You, when you go, if you see something you're interested in, you have to click on it to read it. Yep. Or you've got to click on it to view the, like we do in bed where you can, if it's a video, you can look at it straight from the main page. But our engagement numbers have gone up. The time of engagement has gone up dramatically. And so the quality of that. So that's the biggest evolution is it's not just someplace where you can kind of drop in and kind of take a look. I mean, I'll give you an example. We did a piece for Fish Pond called Inside the Mind. And what we do is we take, basically the concept is, we talked to somebody in this particular case it was John LeCoque at Fishpond and was like, how did you come up with the idea for the Thunderhead pack? And how did it go from inside your mind all the way to where it won best in show at the IFTD show? And we followed that. The engagement on that piece was over six minutes. Hmm. And on, on web-based stuff, I mean, you talk to most people, it's like, yeah, you go to a website, like people on a website for even more than a minute oh. is so that, that wasn't a video, that was actually a blog post? No, that was a full written, yeah, that oh, was wow. a full 
piece. Yeah. yeah. And we have and that's what we're doing now in terms of how we're working with our partners. You know, we we take ad revenue based on, you know, how many page views that we can deliver. But it's banner ads are banner ads. They don't they're just impressions. It's not you're not driving a huge amount of traffic, people clicking on those banners and going there. Where the partnership happens is in these kind of collabs where you're talking about the backstory about product. We don't do product reviews. Mm-hmm. We've never done a real product review on we don't like them. We think they're just, you know, yeah. A lot of them are paid and all that stuff. It's just not what we do. But we, we, but we're more than happy to sit down and really dive behind, you know, look behind the curtain because we think that's way more interesting. Right. And so there's a couple of things that we do there. So that's the biggest change is just yep. in terms of our engagement with our audience hmm. is is much better and deeper than it was when it was just we were just, you know, kind of basically pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook program. Gotcha. Well, what do you think, what do you think the chum does best if you had to, you know, say one thing that you guys are really, you know, I mean, it sounds well, like you I do think, a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think what, you know, what we, what we're most proud of is, and we call it the chum nation. And, you know, the people that I talk to that, you know, I don't, I've never met them and I get a chance to meet somebody at a show or whatever and they find out who I am. They're like, oh my God, it's like, it's the first thing I look at when I get my cup of coffee in the morning and when I go into the yes. office or that we, we still have that core group of people. And, you know, there's been a couple of times I know, you know, the guys at Gink and Gasoline were interviewed by April on Anchored one time and they referenced the chum as an inspiration for them when they first got started. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know, a couple of others, you know, I, you know, when I was at the show, you know, even Orsic, who used to be whose Yukon goes fishing back in the day, used to do some really great viral videos and, He's working for Trouts out of Denver now, doing all their their media stuff. I mean, he basically like I had never met him, but we had all kinds of interaction through the chum back in the day. And he said at the show, he goes, "Dude, I wouldn't even be standing here if it wasn't for you." Hmm. So it's those kind of things that you know I'm I'm most proud of. And yep. so we've had some victories on the conservation side too, where we've been able to highlight something and have been able to make some pretty pretty rapid impact on some things. The, the one that comes to mind is uh, Pike Place Market. You're familiar with yep. it here in Seattle where people throw the fish. Everybody knows about it. Well, they were selling wild steelhead. Hmm. And so we did a blog post and they, they like literally two days later sent me a note and said, we, we, we cry uncle. <laughs> Sorry. Really? <laughs> and, and they stopped. Yep. Like literally the, the dust storm that blew up. So I think we still have that impact out there. Like, I don't, I don't think we get out as in front of as many people, but you know, the, uh, you know, Larry from, you know, who's got, uh, Taylor trash yep. and you yep. know, uh, the flyberry guys, you know, we did a quick little post about the flyberry thing, which I just thought was super cool. And, you know, Midcurrent then picked it up and everybody, you know, a bunch of stuff. And so he got a fair amount of traction just based on kind of a little social media brush fire that started because we, we highlighted him. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Who do you so think love- it- who out there is is do you think is most similar to to what you know you you do? Yeah, I, you know maybe that's a good question. You know, I I, I generally don't. I, I mean, I would. Do, do chat, you read a lot of the other stuff? Do you read all I, the? You know, I don't have time. Yeah. I, I mean, I have it all in my feeds, so I see it all. Yeah. So it all comes through. I have everybody set up on Feedbin, so I have everybody else's sites. But generally, we don't like if we see it on another site like another site within our space, we generally don't post it. We let it go. Occasionally we'll do that. 
So we try to find, if we're, if we're just linking to other content, we try to find content that nobody else has highlighted yet that's unique. Yep. But I think, you know, Chad at Hatch does a really good job. I mean, he's writing intensive. I mean, he's got a lot of outside writers that do work for him, but he's very conservation-minded. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that all do kind of different variations, and we all, you know, live yeah. together in that well, space. And when I started, you know, it was Marshall at Midcurrent. It was uh, Tom Chandler at the Trout Underground and Lee Murdoch at Fly Fish, Fly Fish Magazine. No I mean, that was, that was that was it. That was it. God, isn't that crazy? In in fifteen years, you know, oh. it's well, and especially every year, it seems like there's well, even on the podcasting thing. I think you you guys have a new podcast, right? Or you have a new podcast? We do, we do, we have one. Yeah, that we're real, the, real pure radio, real pure right? Radio. Our first episode is up, and we we haven't kind of really blasted it out there yet we just we've just told our friends and we have it yeah i listened have, to it i listened to it. it was good yeah yeah it's good right but it's highly yeah. produced you yeah, know it so it takes, it's not it's not it's not something that you can the frequency level is hard and as you know in any yeah. sort of kind of space frequency is really important so i'm uh, working on another one with tom sadler who just won the jim range conservation award oh Tom's cool I, yeah so, and that this one's it's more in vain of kind of what we're doing right now so it's we're, we're going to literally talk about politics, conservation, and fly fishing. And wow, so, it's, so, you, so you're going to get into politics. Oh, yeah. We're going to go all in. Which is one of the, you know, they always say you're on a guide trip. You know, you're, you're a guide. You're on the boat. Never talk about religion or politics. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of it. <laughs> nice. This is going to be good, man. <laughs> it should be really good. And it's what's interesting is I'm a Kennedy Democrat. Well, I grew up as a kid. What does that mean? What does that mean exactly? Well, I grew up on the East Coast. So my, I grew up in a town where, where John Kennedy was actually born. So you're just a big, so you're a Kennedy fan, the Kennedys. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I was indoctrinated in So what, I mean, what's the deal with Kennedy? What's the deal with the Kennedys? I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to get, we're not going to get into politics here, but man, talk about heartache on a family. I mean, it seems oh. like everybody's died. I mean, isn't that a, isn't that kind of a, a crazy, yeah. uh, what's going on over there? Well, I just, you know, it, it, when you live in the shadow of that family, yeah. And I think across the board, I mean, it was horrible. Obviously, it started with, you know, the assassination of Jack Kennedy. Right. And it just kind of progressed from there. Jeez. And yeah, so you wonder, you know, and then all the other side effects, you know, indulging in, you know, too much alcohol. I mean, just go down the list. Right. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. And, but, you know, so, you know, my my house, it was, you know, Jesus hung on the wall and Kennedy was right next to him, you know, so it was that kind of thing. But so Tom has a long career kind of on the Republican side of the aisle. Oh, really? As a, yeah, I'd spent a lot of time in D.C. as a lobbyist. And but and so we have di- we come from differing places, but we've kind of come together based on the current political climate, because. Even for, you know, for a guy that comes out of that traditional Republican background, what he sees going on now is horrifying him yeah. in, a, in a big way. No. So we're going to talk we're going to talk a lot about that. And we're also going to talk about the fact that, you know, really what it comes down to is if we really want to make the changes that we need to make as it relates to the things that are important to us as anglers, we need to vote the fuckers out. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it's going to come down to. And that's hard because. Yeah. There's a lot of people that care about clean water and public lands and all those things. But, you know, on social issues, they may have a differing opinion. Yep. And so how do you balance those two things out? And I think that that's what's going to come home to roost here pretty soon. 
as we roll into 2020. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah I was going to note yeah. that I had uh, Tom Sadler. He was on uh, episode 98, and we had a I had another a great conversation. We actually chatted a little bit about politics there as well. He, we noted we came to an agreement on that uh, Hacks on Taps is a, is a good podcast, another good podcast to check out if you want to listen to. Uh, yeah, that's a re- right. A Republican and a Democrat coming together to talk about. That's literally Hacks on Tap is basically what our podcast is, but in a fly fishing space. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's perfect. It, that's perfect. That's exactly. It's called the Blue Plate Special. The Blue Plate Special? Yeah, and that yeah, it's, we have two episodes in the can. I got the website's being built out right no, oh, now. Oh no, no, wait, no. You have this is so you have real pure radio. Yeah, and then Blue Plate Special will be its own standalone property. Oh, so yeah. you're creating a, another podcast? Yeah, the, the thing we were going to put it under Real Pure Radio, but the vibe is it's completely different type. So it didn't make a sense to mix it up from a branding standpoint. Yeah, real, real pure radio is kind of the moldy chums podcast. It's storytelling. Yeah, exactly. It's really driven. And here's the thing: it's the same thing. It's like, oh, you know, we were literally we had we wanted to do this that thing six years ago, and we were inspired by the Dirtbag Diaries, which is Fitz Cahal's yep. podcast. Yeah. And I actually spoke with Fitz because I knew him through Patagonia because Patagonia was one of his primary sponsors in the beginning, right, but it might right. still be. And I went to Fitz and said, hey, we got to do the fly fishing version of what you're doing. And like literally to call it the Dead Drift Diaries or the yep. Drag Free Drifts or whatever. And Fitz was like, dude, I don't have time. I can't do it. <laughs> like I might be able to do an episode if you bring it, you know, like why don't you bring it to me? And sort of like, well, we're going to do our own. And then we just, you know, we never got around to it. And gotcha. That was because, you know, like you heard that first episode, like it was recorded. Most of, it was all recorded in Baja. <laughs> yeah. No, that was awesome. Yeah. Cool. Anyway. All right. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, there's uh, definitely the, the that would be good. Well, I'll look forward to, you know, some of the, the, the political stuff you got coming. But, you know, getting back, you know, I guess I, I did want to touch on you mentioned Patagonia. We've talked about it a little bit, um, you know, Yvonne Chouinard, uh, you know, I'm not sure how much of a connection you had with him at the company. But I mean, what was that like? I mean, it was were you a, a conservation minded person before Patagonia? Because I mean, I'm, I'm in the I'm just almost finishing up his book. Um, which is, I guess, the older one, let your people go surfing, right? Or let my mm-hmm. people go let, surfing. Let my people surf. Let yeah. my people surf. And, uh, I mean, it's just... It, he has a follow-up coming called Let My People Make My People Buy Fleece. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Right. I was say, but, but, you know, the great thing about that book is he's walking, he's walking, if you have a company, a business, I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of it's walking you through how they do it and how you can do it. And, it's just amazing. I mean, you look at Patagonia, they're, they're ahead of the game on this conservation stuff. I mean, when you look at that first thing is what, what'd you learn from them? And then the second thing is why aren't more companies going all out like them? Well, it's well, two things. One is that, I mean, they definitely walk the walk and I learned a lot through that. I mean, I think I had the, the, that kind of conservation ethic in my DNA but it was really kind of getting into fly fishing and ultimately working for Patagonia that really allowed that to kind of evolve. Um, what what you really learn, I think, at Patagonia is the power of grassroots advocacy and how that you can really drive change through through advocacy. And you know, I'm a pitch. I say I always tell people I'm a pitchfork and torches guy. I mean, that's my feeling. Like you know, let's go. Like I don't like to play the politically correct kind of program and try to walk the line and balance things out because I just I think if you look at you know some of the issues that I'm involved with and you look at where we're at now even from when I moved here to Washington only what in 2002 17 years ago by every single measure 
to me, that kind of politically expedient strategy is a, an abject failure. So I learned a lot about that there. I think that, you know, Yvonne was very, I mean, he recognized that not only was that important to him, but that, you know, it was a, a viable business strategy yeah. to be a successful company because people would ultimately gravitate to that. Now, I remember when we did, I'm going to give you an example of that, when we did Ethically Sourced Down. Oh, yeah. And so I was, I was, I managed their largest global wholesale customer, REI. Huh. And I went in and said, hey, we're going to do this thing where we're going to ethically source all our down and we're going to trace it all the way back to the beginning. And I had people literally tell me customers not going to care. That's what they said. God. Two years later, every brand has done it. Yep. Three years later, everybody's doing traceable yep. down because it's so and, important. And do you think Yvonne, do you think he, he knew that? He knew his customers so well that he, he knew that? Or do you think he, that's just the way he felt? He, he said, you know what? that's the way I feel. I don't care. You know, I think that's exactly right. It's the right thing to do. And yeah. so he did it. But I think that you, know, you kind of look at that and you go, all right. I mean, having the vision to recognize that that was something that was important, whether it was going to be good for his business. Now the missions evolved. So when I was there, the mission was, you know, build the, you know, to build the best product, do no unnecessary harm and to use business to inspire solutions right. to the environmental crisis. Now their mission is we're in business to save the planet. Yep. And so I think back in those days, like all of those decisions, whether it was organic cotton, which people thought he was out of his mind when they switched over to organic cotton, hmm. when they made all of those changes back when he basically walked away from the, the, the Piton business because it yep. was, wasn't good. I mean, literally completely upset the apple cart many times throughout his business career. And it's always worked out for him in the long run. Now, I think the reason why some people can't don't want to do it is because they're afraid of alienating some of their customer base. And if you look at posts that go up about Patagonia, like, you know, Russ, um, Ross Purnell from Fly Fisherman, the editor of Fly Fisherman, did a post on Instagram where he screen grabbed the, the Patagonia website of the day of climate change action. And so they, Patagonia closed. Everybody was, oh, yeah. no, that's right. They were and so it was the, the website was all black and it's, you know, had a call to action. So Ross reposted that. You should have read the hate. Yeah. That came out. Well, like what, what was the, Oh, it was literally, I mean, you, you go look at it. I mean, it was literally, I'll never buy another piece of Patagonia and it's, you know, this, that, and the other thing and all of that. I mean, it was just, you know, I, uh, I'm, I it was, it was, it was trolling. It was. Yeah. It was nasty. It was all of that. Well, Yvonne doesn't care about that. He doesn't care. And yep. he has a line, and I'll probably butcher it, and I don't know, it might be in the book, but it's yep. like, he can make, he goes, I can make decisions that are going to piss off 50% of my customers, and the other 50% are going to love me for it. Yep. So, but I think there's a lot of brands that are just never in that position. And here's the thing, he's been consistent. I mean, he, he hasn't deviated, you know, no. he, he, just, he just landed on the cover of Fast Company again, you know, with another... Yep. Who, the whole thing about, you know, how he's going to change, you know, all kinds of, you know, major, you yeah. know, major things. And, and I think the other piece around all of that, which I think people miss this point, and I'd love to make this point for people who are listening. Mm -hmm. Hang on one second. Somebody's calling me. I'm going to oh. kill that. So, um, is this, 
like people go, oh, you know, I hate those guys and, you know, God, you know, Patagonia and all this. I go, well, wait a second. Take a look at this for a second. You're reading the book. Yep. He's a he's an immigrant from Can French Canadian. Right. Moved to Maine. Ultimately start, started a company out of the trunk of the car, taught himself to be a blacksmith, so on and so forth. And next thing you know, he's running a, a company that's over a billion dollars. That's right. It's an American success story yep. of the highest order. And so you may disagree with his politics, but if you look at somebody that's like really literally is the like yeah. credible example of the American dream, it's that but, guy. But that's a crazy thing. It's hard to disagree with the politics because I mean, think of it in this time with everything that's going on in the environmental degradation, you know, I mean, his politics are all about saving the environment. You know what I mean? Like how, how could you disagree with that? You can't. And you know, but it's easy to, you know, it's a you know, the company is a bit of a, you know, walking, talking contradiction. So, I mean, they just came out with a thing where they looked at the footprint of their trade show booth and they were kind of, you know, it's like, Oh my God, you know, there's, there's, there's an environmental cost, you know, all, all right. the product that comes ships across, it comes in plastic bags. Yep. And so people love to call them out like, yeah. Oh my God, they look at this and they're like, wait a second, you know, they're using all organic cotton. It's all recycled. You know, when it comes, I mean, everything, I mean, they're almost at a hundred percent recycled. I think their Alpine shell collection is completely recycled now. I mean, you look at what they do to offset all of that. It's just nobody can compare. So it's yeah. easy to throw stones at them for that. Yeah, and he's flying all over. He, he admits right. it. Oh, yeah. He's he says, flying. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to go to hell and I got to go to, you know, I'm going to go fish for Atlantic salmon. That's right. Yeah, I'm dumping a bunch no, of carp. No. Well, and he said it as well as anybody. I think it was in, uh, I can't remember. I think it was on another interview he did, but. I think the guy, uh, he asked him, you know, what can I do for conservation and environmental? And he basically said, hey, I can't tell you that. you got to decide for yourself. You know, that's your own decision you have to make. And I think that's a kind of a, a good way yeah. to think about it, right? Because mm -hmm. you do. I mean, not everybody's going to be able to be him, and you're not going to be able to right. freaking recycle 100% of your stuff. But if you can do something, that's, right. that's better than nothing. Well, and I think what's really, you know, and I'll leave the, you know, the, I'll, I'll end the Shinari yeah. piece of the conversation with this. Which I always found, you know, when, anytime you have an opportunity to see him speak or to interact with him, and I had an opportunity to interact with him a bunch over the oh, years, right. yeah. you know, and um, he always has something, there's always something every time he talks that like he makes you kind of sit up and go, whoa, that's profound. Huh. So I think that, you know, and he's not, I, I wouldn't, you know, when you see him speak in public, I mean, he's not a, he's not a dynamic, charismatic right. speaker. And so I think sometimes it gets lost in it. But if you really listen and pay attention, I, I, I can't think of one time when I haven't been with him and some that he hasn't said something that I've kind of walked away with. And and in terms of what he said about, hey, you got to make your own decisions around all of that. It, it's very true for myself. I mean, it it you know, my association with him and his brand inspired me to do a lot of things. I mean, I wouldn't be on the board of the Wild Steelhead Coalition probably if it wasn't for my time working for Patagonia. That's right. That's yeah. right. So no, that's a yeah. good uh, good little conversation there. I um you know, I had a question here. I, I this is a, a question that came directly from one of the listeners of the podcast and he reached out and said, Here's something you should ask you should ask somebody, what are your guesses? Okay. Uh, what he said was, you know, what in fly fishing is ripe for disruption? Does anything come to mind when you think? I mean, you're you're in the middle of it with the with the chum over the years. I mean, is there any anything that needs to be changed or disrupted in fly fishing, or are we kind of on a on a good path right now? Well, I you know I think we're on a good path. I mean, I, I mean, it depends on 
you know, what, what, what are the parameters of that disruption? Yeah. So I think there's all kinds of opportunity for disruption within the business space for sure. And how that all ultimately, you know, shakes out, you know, I mean, you look at Kickstarter, you look at, you know, kind of consumers being able to go to direct to manufacturers, whether it be through Amazon and oh, those yeah. kind of things, you know, I don't, I, and I don't necessarily think that's disruption in a good way, but yeah. the, you know, and when I mentioned that, you know, fly fishing is kind of the Petri dish of kind of business at large, right? That's like the Petri dish of specialty retail. It, it's easy to disrupt it because it's, it's small. I think that <clears throat> to me, the bigger piece is where does it kind of, where does it go? And you look at, there was a bunch of stories that came out right when we were at the show about fly fishing is the new bird watching. Oh yeah. And there was, yeah, that was in the New York times oh. actually. <laughs> what, what's that? In, what's that in, mean? The new bird watching? Well, it was funny. Like you read it, it was like, Oh, it's kind of like old school, you know, activity that's being discovered by new school hipsters. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And so it was, you know, like goat yoga got referenced. I mean, it was oh, yeah. like, like, so are, are it was you a good yoga? And bad. Are you a yoga? Uh, you get into all that and meditation and stuff? <laughs> no, I, I do back yoga because I have a really, I'm a, got an old man back. Yeah. But that's a, and it works for me, but I'm not. But th so there was, there was good and bad about that. It was fly fishing in the New York Times. And yeah, but it was kind of set up this persona of the fishing that I don't necessarily think was quite accurate. It did mention the fact that it drove conservation. You know, I think that right now, and it's hard for me to say because I see it all every day. Like I go to the yeah. fly fishing film tour. I love that thing, but I go, Oh my God, I'm watching you another, it. you know, I've I seen know. it. I'm seeing it again. I oh, know. but when somebody goes to the fly fishing film tour once a year, who's not, who's just a consumer, they go to that thing and they go, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's Justifiably right. so. Right. I used to be that way, but because I'm, we're all immersed in it, yeah. we get somewhat jaded as it relates to that. So to me, where I think the disruption comes is how fly fishing becomes, it, it evolves beyond kind of where it's at in this social media driven world we yeah. live in right now. Right. And I think ultimately that's, you know, and maybe yeah. it, it never will. Like away but, from the big, like away from the big, the big fish photo. Yeah, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it shouldn't go away from the big fish photo to right. some extent. I mean, maybe that is kind of part of the roots, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, because I look at, you know, where it's, you know, what really drives the bus right now. It's, you know, exotic travel. Yeah. And that's it. And, you know, this high level ambassador engagement that you see, you know, across all the brands and it's the Yetis of the world and those guys that are throwing, you know, high dollar vo volume to drive their brand and their sales through the fly fishing genre. But meanwhile, that's not most of that stuff's not obtainable for most of us. No, nope. it just isn't. I mean, you know, you want to you want to go to Alphonse Island and you watch a video. Yeah, I well, uh, I would aspire like, oh yeah, we all want to go there. Yeah. But who who's who can fork out <laughs> ten grand yeah, exactly. just for the for the week? So how so how does you know fishing kind of fly fishing especially you know how does it get back to that? You know, you talk about home waters and you know Reddington, I think had a thing. It's like some of my favorite fishery is sea run cutthroat fishing that I can mm -hmm. see right here from my house. Yeah. I go out there and it's like, I can do it. Like I can do it every day if I wanted to, you know, here's the opportunity. It's like, 
that's what it's to me. That's ultimately what it's really all about. And I think that that how that's a disruptive part of it. But I don't know how somebody can come in and really can disrupt it from a brand standpoint. But maybe it's there. I mean, you look at what's yeah. going on in social media at large. I mean, we're all living it right now. I mean, the, the category is really just, you know, embracing podcasting now and mm-hmm. kind of all of that. But fly fishing tends to be a little late to a d- late adopter when it comes to that, even into technology side. I mean, Gore-Tex, when, you know, Sims kind of brought Gore-Tex to fly fishing, I mean, it had been in the outdoor space for oh, really? for like 10 years already, soft okay. shell. Like, yep. oh my God, it's rocket science. Like, yeah, it's, you no know, guys, it's, <laughs> it's been around for a bit. So. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Well, let, let's jump into a little bit on the steelhead. We, uh, we mentioned this kind mm-hmm. of the start and, you know, if you had to, sounds yeah. like you're, you're heading down south for a trip, but you know, if you, you look for a, uh, you know, your steelhead being the species you do a lot of work with, I mean, let's talk about that. What, what is your, your home water? I mean, is that still the place you get out? You, you have a day to fish. Is that where you're heading for is steelhead fishing? Well, yeah, it's not a day trip for me. I mean, it's, but it's close. I mean, I'm a couple two and a half hours from the OP, same, okay. you know, North I'm on the Skagit, um, you know, Eastern, you know, click all of it, yeah. you know, the high desert steelhead. It's all within my it's sphere. All there. It's all there. Yeah. And I grew up, you know, and I learned, you know, that back in when I first got in, you know, the trout, I learned how to fish, you know, trout in Colorado. I moved here and it was like salmon and steelhead. It was like, whoa. I mean, the sea run cutthroat thing kind of developed over time. So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my thing. And, yeah. you know, I, I, when I first started, you know, I, I would, I'm a, I'm a steelhead swing guy, you know, 95% of the time. I'm not going to lie. I've, I'm not adverse to throwing an indicator with a bead under it, yep. but generally I prefer to swing for steelhead. And I mean, I fished, I remember going to the shoots and fishing for three days and not touching a fish and going to the OP yep. and fish like never. And then I go to BC for a trip with, you know, when I was working for Patagonia and like in the first 20 minutes swung up two fish. Yeah. So that whole thing about steelhead being hard to catch. Yeah. They're really more hard to find, especially here. So I stopped fishing the OP for a number of years just because it was number one, the pressure was really high. And also I think, you know, you look at the sole duck, I think, those fish get caught, you know, one and a half to two times every season. Huh. It's just, it's just not good for the fish. Yeah. And so, um, but the Skagit reopened last year after having a closure for, you know, a long That's time right. for years. And so I think I fished it seven times okay. and yeah, it was really great. I yeah. mean, it was, I, I, I love fishing the, the lower sock and into the Skagit. That's like kind of my favorite run. And so, but same deal, you know, I fished it six times it was really low and clear and i you know i i uh, connected with one fish yeah that whole time there you go so it was yeah epic i i was thinking you know um way back on episode 17 um scott uh, baker mcgarve was on he brought up we talked about the skagit and it it was closed then i guess right just reopened this year or the year before yeah it's been open for two seasons now and i think that I i think two maybe only yeah, I think it's been two. Yeah, two or what? Yeah, and I remember yeah, he, he was but, he was talking about. It. He made that point that it had been closed for what, like five or ten years or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. At least five. I don't remember. I don't know the numbers offhand. And also, they had to put, they had to stop planting hatchery fish on it. Oh, there you go. So it's all so wild. that was. But I, you know, I think that I mean, and I, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say reluctantly fished it, but. There was arguments to be made that it, they shouldn't have even opened it yet. They should have waited. Well, either. and that was the point that Scott made, which is a good one. Scott, you know, um, he's kind of been fly fishing forever as well. And 
mm-hmm. you know, he was talking about some other rivers too, but he made the point there that, you know, the, the problem with closing it down is, you know, it might need to be closed down, but the problem is, is people forget about it after a number of years. He made the point like, you know, if it's closed down, people just don't fish it. If you're not fishing it, you're not connected with it. So I think opening it up, you know, there's an argument for opening it up, even if, you know, he was yeah. saying he, he was saying even open it up and just fish with not even without even hooks, just let people go out there and have fish just nibble on your feathers. Well, and I think there's also arguments to be made for. I mean, you look at you know fishing for Atlantic salmon, and you know up in the Canadian Maritimes, it's like you you it's a draw, like yeah. you just don't walk on those rivers. And so, you may think ultimately, if you look at the runs that are going on here, I mean, at some point you would think that you're going to have to if you're going to open it, you have to have limited entry yeah. at some point. So I don't th- at that point. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. And I don't. I, right. My thing is, I want to. I would love to be able to take home a big wild steelhead and throw it on my Traeger, and and yep. eat it. But that's just not a reality right now. No. And so, I, you know, the. I mean, they get into now. You get into all the subset of arguments about hatcheries and all of those kind of things. I mean, I think the thing on this. You know, you look at the thing on this gadget was it's it's shifting baselines. So. Oh, it got 9,000 fish back, and so now we need to open it. And now this year they're going, well, you know, I might only get 6,000 fish, but we're still going to open it. Right. It's like, you know, back yeah. in the 50s, that thing was carrying, you know, 30,000 fish. Yeah. And so everybody goes, oh, yeah, you know, that fish can only support, you know, that river can only support 15,000 fish. And you're going, yeah, no, guys, no. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we, you know, why, why are we not letting Pushing this it. thing rebound? But yeah. the big thing about it was it took some pressure off the OP. Oh, really? Yeah, for sure. Because a lot of guys, you know, I can go up and I can go here and, you know, connect to a, you know, Skagit fish and the runs are pretty good. And if you do it all right and it keeps people from going out and pounding on the OP. Okay. So is the OP, I mean, just a madhouse down there? Well, there was a couple of years where it was just insanity, just crazy. And you've got, and here's the other thing. There's no limited entry from outside, from out of state guys. Well, and that's that's the crazy thing because even the Deschutes you mentioned, I mean, the Deschutes it has a limited entry. You know, I mean, there's a limited entry of river passes, so you know you, you can walk in and fish, but if you're gonna, mm-hmm. there's a limited number of people in the summer season that can go on that river. That's well, and you know, we tried to we as well, Silly Coalition. You know, we pushed the rule change for you know limiting you know certain areas of rivers where you can't fish out of the boat. Yeah, and all of that. I mean, the biggest steelhead I ever hooked and lost. I hooked out of a raft with a bead in a corner that I could have never, ever even got close to that fish swinging a fly. The only reason I could do it because I was fishing out of the raft and that was fish was resting in this spot. It was just, it was a holding spot and I happened to connect with it while it was sitting there waiting. And those fish need refuge. They need a place where they can rest. And when you fish out of the boat, you can cover all of that water. So that's yeah. the argument. And we got some limits. I mean, it was small. It was like six or eight miles of river that came off. There was more, you know, the Deschutes, same thing. You can't fish out of the boat. Yep. And, but, you know, it's people, oh, it's different rivers and it's, you know, different set of circumstances. I mean, I totally understand that. And we're dealing with people's livelihoods and all that stuff. And if you got everybody out of the boat, everybody's congested into certain spots and right. so on and so forth. But, you know, the swing only, you know, that I'm, I'm primarily a swing only guy now and I'm not going to catch as many fish. But I'm going to probably have less impact on the fishery ultimately because I'm not going to catch as many fish. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you look at – and this is the discussion we have, I mean, just in terms of steelhead in general. You look at, I mean, the the, the dust up about salmon and orcas here. Oh, yeah. You know, an orca, you know, has a calf die and pushes it around for 17 days on the surface while it's dead. And the whole world just 
the lights on fire because we've got to do something to save the orcas, which means we got to do something around salmon. It's like, well, you guys are forgetting. <laughs> well, it's steelhead too, right? And it is the state fish, and the all of that. Steelhead is steelhead is the state fish. Still is the state fish in Washington. Yeah. Well, I think steelhead. I think I think when people say salmon, uh, you know, I always think it's just steelhead salmon or even salmon. It's you know, it's like everything. If you, if anadromous. You say, yeah, it's anadromous. Yeah. If you say salmon, anadromous you're basically fish. talking about anadromous fish. Yeah. But it's funny. But you look at people give they, people give money to save polar bears. But they like, how do you motivate somebody that, you yeah, know, yeah. living in Colorado that writes a check to the Sierra Club or somebody because they want to save some other charismatic megafauna? But the only, you know, really the only people that are really focused on trying to protect steelhead are the people that fish for them. That's right. So there's no real visibility. There's no visibility no. as it relates to that. So how do you kind of how do you kind of get people? And you look at steelhead run, it's three percent of historic. Three yep. percent. And so and everybody's like, well, it's habitat, habitat, habitat. You know, it's not, you know, it's like the four H's habitat, right. hydro, hatcheries, harvest, so on and so forth. But it's 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 just one of those things where it's, you know, you've got to be able to figure out a way to kind of motivate some people to kind of figure out like, hey, you should this is the reason why you should care about this. Yeah. What, and, what is the Wild Steelhead Coalition? What are they what are they focusing on? Well, so we're a, we're a volunteer organization. We're not a, we don't have a paid staff. So we're a vol- it's basically a board run. We have a couple of outside contractors that do a lot of our do our social media, do a lot of our campaign stuff. So we're generally campaign focused. We're super nimble. So we cover a lot of different things. So we're working on like we have a Lyle Creek project, which is a side creek up on the Skagit that used to be incredible steelhead spawning habitat that over time was, you know, allowed to basically through agriculture and other things was channelized and it wasn't its, its natural course disappeared and we're restoring that. So we're doing habitat work there and we also do, you know, we work on campaign driven stuff. So we ha- we did a, a literally a, a wild steelhead campaign. I don't remember it was to try to basically raise awareness around the fish and why people should care about them. And this is what's happening. And Shane Anderson, who's a great filmmaker, done some really great conservation films did a bunch of shorts for us and interviewed some of the old timers and so we do we work on that stuff we uh we literally are raising money to buy a piece of property on the grand ronde right now oh cool uh so it's a piece of private property that they wanted to sell but it had public access and the fear was that if it sold to somebody that closed it off so we've partnered up with the inland fly fishing some of the inland fly fishing groups and We've raised the money and it's going to get done. Perfect. Uh, so we have our we have our fingers in a lot of different pies, and it's one of the things we can do because we're you know we're we're kind of a small nimble group, yeah. and um, so it's yeah it's good it's really That's good. Cool. So so you're doing a little bit of that, and then the moldy chum mm-hmm. is your you know you're spending eighty percent of your time on that, or what is your what is your week what does your week look like? I mean, what do you do if you take your your typical week? Are you a you know a nine to five sort of thing, or how does yeah, that it's like eight, it's literally eight thirty probably to to four thirty kind uh-huh. of every day, and I'm scrubbing through my daily feeds looking for content. I'm on the phone talking to people. You know, it's funny. You know, since I you know, I mean, it is my job, but when I left my last job, I was working what was your, for, what was your last job? I was working for Thule, the roof rack company. Oh yeah. I started in the outdoor business with Yakima rack. So cool. when I left Patagonia, I went to Thule because I was kind of going back to my roots and I wanted to get out of, kind of get out of the rag business and go back to hard goods. Huh. And, uh, 
Yeah. So it was, it was, a, it's a long story, but when I kind of said, ah, you know, I'm going to commit kind of doing this thing instead, ultimately, and those guys helped me make the decision. They wanted to put their, like, like put their resources elsewhere. Um, yeah. it's, so it's like, I literally, I'm busier now than I was when I was working that beat. Huh. So like I spend a lot, I mean, I talk to a ton of people networking and yeah. working on all, you know, it's like, and now, right now, I'm focused on you know following up from trade show on you know advertising proposals right. that I out to everybody. So is that what you did? You kind of had some proposals, and you're you're always kind of chasing down sponsorships and things like that. Yeah, you're, yeah, it's all about keep trying to keep the funnel full as best you can. Yeah. So, and some stuff comes in over the bottom. I mean, we have good long term working relationships with the Farbank Group yeah. in Patagonia and the Fly Fishing Film Tour guys. I mean, there's people that you know generally are perennial advertisers and have been for a while it's you know trying to get some of those you know new ones to come in that kind of help round yeah. out the program so gotcha, gotcha. So, so so if somebody stuff. wanted to advertise with you they could just pay money for a banner ad or how yeah, else? We, yeah it depends on it's all based on you know cpm yeah. you know views and it's you know kind of classical thing but really it's more important about you know what else can we do to help support you know we love taking people's money but yeah we do we don't end there. We, we like, how else can we support the business? And gotcha. if they want to write the content and provide it where we provide the platform for that. And then if they want us to do it, you know, we work out a, a way that, you know, we can balance that out with whatever ad buys they're making. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Do you know what your, uh, blog post is the most popular blog post over the years? Oh, you know, that's a really good question. It'd be a hard one to judge by just basically cause we've been on three different platforms, but you know, I would, um, you know, we used to do these caption contests, uh-huh. <laughs> and I would say, like, just based on engagement, you know, just in terms of when we, I, like, we ran a couple of caption contents contests that had hundreds and hundreds of people like comment as entries. So probably on paper, yeah, those were probably the biggest, and they were just, you know, they were just completely crazy so was it so how did the caption thing work they throw out a photo you just put, put a picture up and said hey we need to yeah. caption this yeah, yeah right so we had like we had a guy that was literally naked on top of a dead whale on the beach <laughs> jeez <laughs> nice <laughs> and it was like and it was and people just like how do you caption that trust yeah. me they managed just fine that's crazy yeah so, some so- <laughs> of it some of it was completely not reprintable yeah <laughs> but others were really brilliant and that's the one thing I will say, you know, when you get the trolls out and they kind of oh, come yeah. up with knives out, like you're, you're overmatched. They're really good at it. And like the worst thing you can do is really is yep. to try to engage, engage on that. Them, yeah. You just got to let it, you just got to kind of let it go. Yeah. yeah. So, and then when people used to get bummed out at comment, like we would post something about somebody in the industry and somebody would make a nasty comment about it. We would always like, Oh my God, like, like I would get all, I would get emails and phone calls and like, I, my response was, don't read the comments. Yep. <laughs> it's like, why are you working yourself up? It's like, just get over it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, know you can, I know you can cast just fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what, so the Boldy Chub, so how does it, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the different, uh, you know, it seems like you look out there now, there's a bunch of content obviously out there and not, oh, tons. not just blah, blah, blah. I mean, how do you still stand out these days? I mean, you've got your core. Do you have a bunch of, you know, a, a, a email list of people? I mean, where are your people? And then, and no. then how do you stand Mm-mm. out? No, we don't. I think it's just, you know, people can count on, I think, two things. I mean, we feel like we still are somewhat the soul of fly fishing as it related to when we kind of came on the scene. And 
So I think people still appreciate that. That's like where they go to kind of get. What about their dose the new of, person? What, what about when you get somebody brand new that's searching for some random topic, and all of a sudden your thing pops up? I mean, you know, how, how does that person come into your your community? Well, I think I think it's just what the, what they what everybody's blown away with is just the, the sheer volume of content that we share with people. And so once people experience that and look at that, they just know they can just come every day or once a week. Now, here's the thing. I was like, I have never gone down like the hardcore search engine optimization. I've never, yeah. we don't have, we don't have an email newsletter, although I am planning on putting one together yeah, starting you, at the first of the year. Really? So no, just, e so no email newsletter. No, we don't. We just, we trust me. It's, it's like, it's 101 for social media to have a newsletter. Well, and, we don't, and, and some marketer, you know, online marketers will say, you know, your email list is your most important thing, you know. We don't have an email list. There you go. We don't want an email list. Yep. We don't, we don't, we don't require it. Now <laughs> we've done, we've gathered emails for our partners. Right. Oh, you have. We gather, we do a contest where we gather emails. That's like, we. it's up front. Like, hey, and if you let us, like, if you, check the box and say, you have the right to email me later, not us, but the brand, you get a second entry. Oh, there you go. And we do like, the, we, we capture a lot of emails, a lot, but we don't personally. Yeah. You don't, I mean, we could go back and probably look at them, but that's just not our deal. We don't, that's not, we, and, and I think to some extent, you know, we're going to go back to that and well, we're not going to go back to it, but we are going to do an email newsletter if somebody wants to get all their chum in their inbox from one week, you can. Yeah. And that's okay. Uh, but I just, it's, that would I, be want handy. People, I, I want people, I want people to come to the site. Well, and I think that's the good thing about the email list thing is that what you just made the point is that the you know, email list is great if you're, if you're providing, you're serving them, right? I mean, people want, mm -hmm. if you're say, sending out an email every week that has a, a, you know, a summarized version of what you guys do and is, and is easier for people. I mean, they would love that, right? I mean, I would love I that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would help our overall. And there's a couple of people that do really good. Like I, I, I have a couple that I follow, just a couple and I get a fair amount of content through them. So Watershed Watch out of BC, Aaron Hill's group, that group, solid group up in British Columbia doing really good work. I mean, those guys do, they, they kind of go out and look at the world at large and share content that's relative to the work that they do up there. So it's generally salmon and steelhead mm -hmm. focused, offshore fishery stuff. So those guys do a good job. Uh, I have one that's all Columbia River based, Columbia Basin Bulletin that I, sub yep. I subscribe to that one. So I pay for a subscription and I get an email every week that sends me links to all the news that's kind of happening in the Columbia River Basin. And some of that news, then I can go look at it elsewhere because it's a subscription-based thing, but it gives me the opportunity to go search the web and dive into some of those stories that they've highlighted. And then I can kind of take those stories and, and kind of yep. tweak them in my view and share them. So that's one of the ways that I get content. So that's, oh, yeah, cool. we're going to go there. Yeah. And then at some point, you know, if somebody wants to, you know, maybe, I mean, I've had offers to buy me over the oh, years. Oh, really? A couple of, yeah. There mm -hmm. you go. Yep. J just not a, yeah. not a high enough price tag for you? <laughs> yeah. It's, you could, there is. So if you, I, if you looked at the, I mean, that's the amazing thing. I mean, if you consider, and there's many times over the years where I've said, I got to just quit this thing. Oh, no kidding. You know? what, what, you, you, yeah, I just, you I'm said, giving, like. Like you mean, yeah. so take me to one of those moments where you said you, you thought you might have to quit it. Well, two 
things. One is just you think about how much of my life I'd get back. So this was before I made it my job. Now that I'm doing it during the day, it's it does it's not as much of an impact. But before it was, it, yeah. I was doing it on my own time. And it had an impact on everything. My family, you know, when I'm on vacation, you know, all of that. I mean, I'll be I'll be posting from Mexico. Right. You did that for 14 years or how many years you did it for Since 05. Since 05 you were doing that all on the side. All on the side. And at any point, so there were some points where you just said, you know what, I'm spending freaking six hours today. I'm just going to walk away from it. Yeah. And what kept and then you, what kept you from was, walking away? I, it's like a drug. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you, I mean, like a drug, what, what is the, what is the most, I mean, I know kind of from my perspective, I mean, but what is that thing? What do you love most? What keeps you going? Well, I'm a, I'm a relationship guy, a network guy. Yeah. And, you know, those moments that I had at the show with, you know, Scott from Vitavu, you know, brought me and Bart from Sims over. You know, he worked with Bart at Patagonia, brought us over to the booth. And he had Mike, you know, two artists and he had a fly wallet that was blank. And he said, you know, 10 years ago, you came to me at the Linwood show and you had a conversation. And you introduced me to this guy. And, you know, it, it, it really helped me cool. where I'm at. It's, it's that's the stuff that keeps me going. Yeah. That's the stuff that keeps me going. And I've I've certainly ruffled some feathers along the way. Yep. But, you know, hopefully, yeah, I you know, the other piece of it is I feel like in some small way we've made a difference for people who've, you know, a couple of people in this industry to have been able to create careers, you know, help support their direction and their careers. And I also think on the conservation side, we we raise awareness. I mean, I wasn't I I've been to DC a couple of times on, you know, uh, hill walks and you know, I go in and I sit down with a legislative aide and I tell him who I am. And it's like I own a multimedia website and yep. my, my readers care about this stuff. And it's important to me. And the people that advertise with me care about this because it's their business. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've been able to leverage that as it relates to, you know, kind of also doing good work. So that's why I stick with it. Gotcha. Because if you did it as a dollar and cents thing over yeah. the years. I, 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 yeah, there's not enough money That's in the awesome. world. No, I love hearing you. I mean, your perspective, cause you, you're, I've interviewed a bunch of people now, but you've been around for, you know, a good chunk of time here, you know, in the online stuff and in hearing your perspective, it's similar. You know, I think, you know, the, the, uh, on the joke we've had on this is that people, you know, have said, you know, there's no money in fly fishing, you know, <laughs> no money to be made. And we've said that a bunch of time, but hearing your story, the fact that you're not even, you know, weren't focused on that. And now you're here. Uh, it's your full time work. I mean, that's that's a success story. Yeah. And I think ultimately it'll lead to some other things. You know, I think that through this, you know, as I, you know, I can I can provide a platform for people to, you know, uh, I can provide a voice. Yeah. And so there's value in that. And we, you mean you, you know, can help and you can help. So people are coming in. They want to do good work. They want to do conservation mind work. You can help lift them up to get them to a point where they can succeed. Well, there's that. And then, you know, I get call from, you know, the guys at T, you know, the guys and gals at TU actually about, you know, suction dredge mining. And, you know, we, we go, okay, you know, right. I get, they send me the assets and we yep. focus on it and we, yeah, we, we, we do our part. I mean, I did, I posted, you know, a little Instagram, uh, link that the Patagonia guys sent out about their new film artificial that's now available for, you know, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube now, you know, the full, the full movie. And I had, I think, and I put a link to is, the film. Is the full movie? So that's actually without even you can just watch it right now. You can go to YouTube and watch it right now. Oh, good, good. I'll put it. It has over. It's been up for a week and it's had. It's already has over a million. Sweet. Views. I didn't realize that. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, super cool. Yeah. And 
so we I did one Instagram post and just said, hey, it's available. And if you want to watch it, there's a link up in the profile. Yep. yep. Classic. I, my, my profile views in the last seven days are over 700. Yep. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, we did a little part there in terms of driving people to that and engaging some stuff in one small way. So it, it it's, um, yep. yeah, it's, it's rewarding in that respect what, for sure. What do you, you know, at the end of the day, when we're, when we're gone here and the moldy, ch- yeah. well, this is a whole other side. <laughs> do you know yeah. the, uh, do you know the, uh, the global fly fisher? Uh, Martin. I do know, I know of him for yeah, sure. Yeah, Martin. Yeah. I interviewed yeah. him. Well, when I first got started on this, you know, in the fly fishing stuff, the online mm-hmm. space, I've kind of had two little things here, but it was way back in 2015. And, uh, and I, and I reached out to him way because back. he was kind of out there, right? The global fly fisher. And, and he helped me just do a blog, one of my first blog posts. Yeah. And, uh, anyways, I interviewed him and we just had this great conversation, but it, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting to hear people that have been, have been in it and then to look at what's going to happen in say 50 years, like all this content you have, you know, I mean, what's going to happen? Is it just going to disappear when you, when you kick the bucket? I, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I think it'll live forever somewhere for sure. I mean, I'll probably figure out a way, but you know, theoretically, you know, it depends on, you know, the directions that I leave, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody's playing the WordPress, it, Here's a good example. You know, um, I don't know if you've heard of Westfly, but Scott Richmond's site, he had a site that was called Westfly. I think it was Westfly. Oh, I remember it well. Yeah, Westfly. Well, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, he closed, well, I, it, he closed it down well, actually a few days ago. Well, here's the amazing thing, Dave. I've got, like, I have a tab. Like, I haven't done this blog post yet. So back in the blog, early blog days, it was all about somebody had a blog and they reached out to you and said, hey, yep. would you put a link Guess to me? Guest posting, right? right, link, yep. Right, and you had the blog roll on the side of the page. And it was everybody else that you kind of was yep. the community. So I, over the years, I saved all these links to all these like that. There were ones I was going to post and call out. Well, that kind of went away. Like that whole dynamic doesn't even exist anymore. Right. Like you don't you don't do that. But I still have a folder saved with all of a bunch of them. And some you, some of them you go to and they don't even exist anymore. Like no. the, the website doesn't exist. But others are still there. Yeah. But you can look and see when they did their last post. Oh, right. And it's crazy. What, what, what is it? What is it? What are they oh, it's doing? just all over the place. But it's just you. I mean, there's got to be. Well, here, hang on one second. Yeah. How many? I, how many I sites? Do it, well, I, here, I'll tell you right now. Yeah. Hang on. This, this is interesting. Yeah. Hang on. Let me go to my bookmark manager. Yeah. And I'll tell you how many. Hang cool. on. One, um, here we go. Fish blogs. You ready for this? Yeah. Oh, wait, no. let me guess. Let me guess. So, so this is fish blogs over the last fifteen years that you've. Well, these are these are just ones that I was going to do, at the time I was going to post a link okay. to them. Okay, and these are all different different fish blogs. Yeah, I mean, I probably posted hundreds of them over the years when it was going on. These are the ones that I just never got to. Oh, never I got never, to. And never deleted them. Damn, never got to. Yeah, what is what is the number? Uh, <laughs> hang on one second. Oh, it's at least there's at least. 40 or 50 of them. Yeah. 40 or 50 sites that you totally did. That are just still here. Yeah. Like, and yeah, one bug is fake, pile cast. Oh, pile. Some of them may still be live. Yeah, yeah. Well, but and, most of them are not. Flybox rant, um, Fontanellis rising, rumble on the river, Tenkara, <laughs> and the art of bothering fish. I mean, I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to do a whole post that just says, Yeah, you got to throw those names out there. Font, Fontanellis rising is pretty sweet. Suck my bolts. Yeah, here it is. Suck my fly blog. Nope. 
gone. No, that one's that dead. one's not good. Dead. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about who's this guy? This <laughs> is Hopper Fishing. Hopper Fishing. It's the Hopper Talk blog. Oh, the Hopper Talk. Last one was November 16th of 2015. There you go. All, all hoppers all the time. That's right. Mini Chubby is the last one they posted. Mini Chubby. See, there's. And they had the hopper, the hopperstore.com. <laughs> and it was literally, there's like the fuzzy foam grand hopper tutorials. So, and pre- Thunder so, thighs hopper tutorial. So it's do you like, think there was a, so there are, I mean, you're looking at this, this graveyard of, you know, you were probably right. there when these things were going. I mean, you, you lasted, these other ones did. I mean, what do you think is the, what keeps the people going? The, the you versus the, those ones that never keep it going. That's exactly right. And I always say this. It's like, yeah. I see them along. I'm like, oh man, check these guys. I was like, yeah, I've seen them come. I've that's seen them go. That's crazy. What's really funny is you go to this one, you look at the blog roll. Like I'm on hopper fishing right now. You look at the, you like, you go to the side and you go, there's the blog roll. Like it's like jazz and fly fishing, lamouching. What? Like lamouching's, lamouching's been around for a while. Um, the trout underground. The trout underground hasn't been around for ten years. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, some old stuff. So, well, that was, that was my point on the Westfly is that Scott Richmond had a had a resource at Westfly, and I, I I'm going to chat with him here pretty soon. But I, I guess it he just turned it off and all that content, which is probably some amazing content. Is it just gone now? I would. I mean, I would assume that, it still lives on whatever platform he was well, using. Well, but if you're not if you're not paying for your hosting, you're not gonna. It's gone. It's gone. That's what I'm saying. So it's just like shit, man. I mean, can't we, can't we like grab that and throw it onto somebody else's site or just keep it? You know what I mean? Uh, you would think. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm gonna it have has a, value. I'm gonna have a chat with Scott and see if. Uh, but that was yeah. a conversation I had with Martin Jorgensen. As I said, the same thing. He actually, it was a pretty deep conversation because he has MS and he's he's in a wheelchair uh-huh. now. And, and oh. he's still, yeah, and he, I didn't even realize that. But, he you know, his life is different. And he made the point, you know, well, we got a whole conversation. But um, not only did he say, you know, get out and do what you want to do now because you never know with life. But mm-hmm. but that was the point we talked about. It's just on his stuff, man. It's, he's got like 3,000 pl- posts out there. That's bl- right. Blog posts. And, and like it sucked to lose all that. So anyway. Well, what was funny, too, was remember, remember when Tumblr kind of appeared. Oh, yeah. So, like, I'm looking at some of these sites right now, like Kids with Sticks. That was somebody, Fly Fishing Central Oregon. It's a Tumblr site. Last blog post was February 14. 16th of 2015. 15, yeah. And it's like, that stuff will never go away. Oh, it won't. No, Tumblr, unless you kill the page, it's going to live forever. Oh, so Tumblr is just a free, it was a free deal. That's right. Oh. And it was just pictures. I mean, it's yeah. beautiful photography. And you look at the notes, like... Like here's a picture somebody posted. Somebody, four hundred and sixty notes attached to it. Yeah. Tumblr. No kidding. That's, that's engagement. It's impressive. Yeah. Here I'll give you a number here real quick. Yeah. Hang on one second. I'm just gonna go to my Chum dashboard. So this is just blog posts since we switched to the WordPress platform. All right. Which is I'm trying to remember what that was. I can tell you what it was, but we have published 5299 holy blog crap. posts holy crap so just I... on the wordpress wow site so and that's yeah. these three or four a day so let me flip <laughs> let me flip the date so we flipped the site officially on 11 no that's not right hang on that's weird hang on let me go down uh, the dates are reversed. I'm trying to look at all the 
I'm trying to flip the dates around. One one of 2016. Oh, 2016. Yeah, one one. So almost so, almost to four years. Yeah, just about. Are, do you have any po- uh, blog posts out there that are kind of the you know here epic post of here are the you know 50 steps to do X Y Z? Do you have anything like that that just really is like an epic post, or is it more of your stuff shorter? Well, it's generally short. I and mean, we have some long ones that inside the mind stuff, the free the chum. We have another series called free the chum, which is when we write about when we go places. And so it's all, you know, one was, but we don't, yeah, we don't generally do the, you know, here's how we don't do how to's either. I mean, we post a lot of fly tying, you know, like one of the comments I get from people when I post, you know, I get a cool fly tying video from YouTube and I post it for somebody. I always get comments from people. that say, Hey, we want more of that, you know? Yeah. So, but we leave that to the people that are way better at that stuff than we are, you know. Yeah. So yep. it's funny though. I am going to do a. I am going to do my first product review. Oh no, uh, kidding! Yeah, it was funny because it was a product that I got that I didn't want to like. Like I didn't think I was going to like it. Yeah. I just I, I got it. And I didn't think I was going to like it, and so now I'm like, and then I liked it a lot, and so it's that's going to be the vibe. It's what, like what can you talk about the or just mention what? Yeah, it is? it's the Yanga. That's the Yanga. The Yeti Panga waterproof backpack. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had a couple. I was asking the question for a while on on here, you know, like what's your go to piece of gear? That that one came up, or it was some type of that that Yeti, you know, whatever it was. But people, yeah, love, I mean, people love the Yeti. Yeah, well, yeah, it's crazy, right? It's that's yeah, it's classic. It's, a, it's an amazing brand. Yeah, it just came out with a book today. Oh no! Kidding. And they have a podcast. What's his name? Uh, Van Zandt is doing their podcast. They got a bunch of. Po- they got a bunch. Oh, of they po- do. They have a bunch of podcasts. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Van Zandt's doing it. They have some other genres they're doing, but they just came out with a book about tarpon. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's fe- features David. What's his name? Magnum. Magnum. The tarpon. Oh, like, right. Yeah, I'm not it, totally sure, but it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous book. Big yeah. a coffee table. It's their first book. So kind of taking a page from the Patagonia template, you know, because Patagonia has a whole book to di- book division. Oh, yeah, they do. That's right. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be a good one because nice. be like, I didn't want I didn't want to like this product, but here's why I like it so much. Well, and here's my product. This is the one. Well, this is a tiny little product. But talk about REI. I, I definitely have got some products from REI, but wool fingerless gloves. You know, I was just thinking about this today because I was kind yeah. of, I was trying to write a, a little short post for the people that are going on this on this steelhead trip. And some, yeah. of them, some of them are beginners and they're asking, what do I need to take on a trip? So I was just going through and writing a little post to be like, all right, here's what you need for your first winter steelhead trip. And, yeah. and one of them is like fingerless wool gloves. I mean, if I had to pick one thing that I would never forget on a steelhead trip for winter steelhead, it is that because I mean it's a lifesaver, right? And Absolutely. REI, and REI has these wool fingerless gloves. They're only like ten dollars, but I buy a few pair every year, and, and I just yep. love them. Absolutely. Yeah, I used to have them. I can't remember. There was a brand, a, a European brand. I used to get. I used to get the socks too. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Those those kind of that to me that's the that's kind of that's the kind of product stuff that's more interesting to me yeah. to me it's i'm more about gadgets and stuff i mean i'm a you should see the gadgets i'm bringing to mexico oh yeah i've got a gopro the brand new gopro hero max the 360 camera oh wow. I've, got, I've got waterproof housings for my phone yep I've, yeah it's 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 crazy i'm bringing my drones nice to, i mean you look at that it's like that's what drives all of this yeah. didn't you, you have know? a post out there that said something about uh like uh, derogatory on drone drones like everybody's got a drone well it was yeah it was about 
It was a drones are it was like drones are like hemorrhoids. Yeah, like, exactly. Thanks to the new thanks to the new DJI Mini, every asshole's Thanks. gonna have one. There you go. Yeah, three hundred ninety nine bucks. Damn, for a badass like, drone. Yeah, like it. No, it's 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 crazy. Yeah. So anybody with four hundred and it's under two hundred. It's under two hundred and fifty grams or whatever. So it comes Tiny. in at two forty nine, which is one gram under the FAA oh, like, so licensing you, so you requirement. Can go, you can go up as high as you want. Well, it's not so much high one. You don't have to have like the registration oh, number yeah. on it or any yeah, of that. Yeah, or the uh, no. yeah, if, all the affiliation. Yeah. Well, you can't really hurt anybody with it. No. It doesn't weigh enough. That's right. Yeah. Well, you can still take a video over somebody's house, though, right? You could. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which is bizarre. Well, yeah. hey, Abe, right, we're, uh, I think we're about an hour and a half into this. So I, yeah, I'm gonna, crazy, I'm gonna, right? I'm gonna I can't kinda, believe it. I know. I, we can uh, definitely uh, keep uh, BSing here. I'm going to let you get out. I'm going to let you get out of here. But did you have anything else on the... Um, you know, on the chum, you want to mention that we didn't, uh, you know, anything important, anything maybe in the next six to 12 months, I kind of asked that question a lot, but anything you want to bring up we didn't talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing probably is going to be, you know, the podcast for us. Um, you know, look for, we're, our goal is to do 10 episodes next year. This first episode that's out is called Chasing Shadows. That's really going to be a focus for us. I think you're going to probably see quite a bit more now that I'm kind of doing it as the full-time gig. You're going to see a lot more of that kind of inside the mind type content where, uh -huh. you know, we're, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper and you're going to continue to see, you know, us kind of, you know, kind of poke fun in a fun way. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, going to stay the course. I mean, we might do some light, you know, upgrades to the site, might tweak the look and feel a little bit because it's getting to be, you know, like yeah. you said, almost four years so we might want to tweak the look a little bit and change it at some point, but yep. we're probably going to stay the course and yeah, newsletter, you know, watch for that. There if people go. are interested and if you've never checked us out, yeah, please check us out. Cool. You know where to find cool. us, cool. find yeah. us in the show notes. Right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Moldychum.com. I'll have a link to uh, your site awesome. and some of this other stuff we talked about and yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been fun, Brian. I, it was it was fun to connecting with you for a little bit of IFTD and uh, chatting. You know, that was an impression I got when I first read it to you there that you you definitely you know kind of it seems like you kind of do do things your own way. You know, you've kind of got a you, like you said, you know, you come out with the pitchfork and stuff. You, you know, I think that's I what do. I think that's what um, I think people just like you said, fifty fifty, right? People love you and hate you for it, probably. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure, and uh, yeah, and it's you know, there's yeah. I, you know, it's like there's never, never any malice in any of it. You know, right. it's like just try to remind everybody of that, and it's like it's just fly fishing. But exactly, you know, I think um, you know, more importantly, next time you're up in Seattle, let's go fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it, man. I'm, I'm gonna be. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. not, we're not too far away, so let's let's keep in touch, and uh, until we yeah. see you on the river, I'll, I'll catch you then. Yeah. Okay, man. All right, Brian. Awesome. All right. All see right, you, man. Okay. See ya. Take care. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes and all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 112. I'm looking for people interested in heading out to Alaska this coming summer. Uh, it'd be great to get out on the water with you and target some big, uh, some big fish. Go to wetflyswing.com slash AK to get more info and find out if this trip is, uh, is right for you. I want to thank you again and uh, let you know I appreciate the support of the podcast. Definitely couldn't couldn't do everything we've been doing without your support, so I uh, appreciate that. Uh, looking forward to maybe catching up with you soon on the river or online. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.